everyone, this is Jennifer, and you are listening to Big Book Energy. And this week, I have a very special surprise for you guys. I would like to welcome back Florida Men on Florida Man. If you guys remember, we had a brief collab with them. I think it was like last year. And now we have Wayne with us. Welcome, Wayne. Thank you so much for coming on. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm doing good. I'm glad that we can have our first Riverside recording experience together. I know. This is nice. It it does make it feel more personal, you know, like when we're able to connect and see each other from a thousand miles away. So I'm really excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. In honor of our topic of discussion for today, I'm sporting my Florida mug. Come on. There it is. There you go. Come on. I love Uh, it. Vintage, one-of-a-kind Starbucks mug (laughs) with all kinds of Florida goodies on it. I love Um, that. I'm honored. I, I love the colors of this because I feel like they're very Florida. It's pink and like green and it just yeah. reminds me of Miami or like South South Florida especially. That's the aesthetic that we lean into and we have mm. for four years. This kind of Miami Vice, you know, those were the best years for Florida. And so we, we lean into those colors and the vaporwave aesthetic. And for us, when we see Florida, that's those colors. So you're right on with that. If any of my listeners haven't checked out your Instagram yet, you all should because the aesthetic and the vibe of the Instagram is so great. And I just look at it and I just think Florida. It really does feel that way. That's so cool. Thank Um, you for saying that. So what are we going to be talking about today? In honor of our guests, we will be talking about Dave Barry's book, Defense of the State of Florida, called (laughs) Best State Ever. Best State Ever. Aptly named. Yes. And I had a question about this that we'll Mm -hmm. save until the end, but I feel like I already know what your answer is going to (laughs) be on what the best day ever is. But yeah, so let's do a couple of quick notes about the author before we get into talking about some of the highlights and some of our discussion questions. So Dave Barry, this was a name that I had heard, Mm -hmm. but I didn't really know who, like the name was familiar, but I didn't really know who he was. But Barry was born in New York in 1947. He is an award-winning journalist and author. He's written numerous books and had a celebrated humor column in the Miami Herald from 1983 to 2005. And this column is actually what would earn him the Pulitzer Prize for commentary in 1988. So it must have been pretty good. I guess the Pulitzer Prize. He's certified Florida man. Certified. Yes. And honestly, He's very prolific for me to have never really heard of him as an author. You know, it wasn't like clicking in my head. And then I started looking up potential books for this collab and I found this one and I was like, oh, this is great. But he writes a tons of nonfiction. He's got so many books. I assume they're all kind of in the same like humor, memoir type genre, which may explain why I've never heard of him because I don't typically read this kind of thing. This for me. Yeah, I was worried that I wasn't going to like the humor, but it definitely grew on me. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's, he, um, I, I think he's a bit heavy handed at first, at least yes. from, that's from what I gathered. But I, like you said, the more I, I got into the book, the more I was like, okay, I kind of get it. But, you know, you, yeah. you kind of lean into it a little bit. And he is funny. You know, I agree that at the, especially at the very beginning. Yeah. It's a lot. But yeah, it definitely he like comes out swinging. Yeah. But Barry also has many fiction works as well. One of them, Big Trouble, even received a movie adaptation starring Tim Allen and Rene Russo. So kind of a big deal. He's a big deal. Um, he's a big deal. And he's a, as you said, certified Florida man. To begin, Barry lists off three things that make Florida great. And these are, according to him, that the weather is warm. <laughs> which I have opinions about that. The, the taxes are low and mm-hmm. the women are attractive, okay. which 
as I read through that section, I was like, I don't know that I appreciate this particular section very much as a woman, but okay. I, know. I was like, is that how this book is going to be? Well, to be, um, to be fair, as not a woman, I didn't appreciate it either. So okay. I think it's yeah, <laughs> universal. Well, and this is something I'll get into a little bit more later, but I think it's because he's coming from a very particular time and place. Mm-hmm. You know, he's from a particular generation. And I think that this right. prob- that particular section would have been a lot more funny to, you know, someone who's similar in age, for example. Sure. But he then proceeds to write an entire book about mostly super weird niche tourist attractions mm-hmm. that I personally think can only be found in Florida. I, I would agree with you. I think I will. There was a few. And I, I do this for a living. And there were a few that I had never heard of. So kudos oh, to him really? for actually diving in deep and, you know, really getting his hands dirty. Yeah, I had heard of a, a couple because, of course, if anyone's been listening to us from the beginning, you'll know that Paige and I both started the podcast in Florida. We were both living in Florida at the time. So we were in Tallahassee. And so some of my coworkers, actually, I knew about the mermaids. <laughs> I knew about the mermaids right. and Gatorland and some right. of the things that he talks about. But yeah, there were a few that surprised me. What was really interesting is that Disney World is mentioned, but it is not mentioned as a key attraction that makes Florida the greatest state ever. And I honestly appreciated that because, yeah. I mean, the book is pandering, if I'm being honest. But, you know, we try to do the same thing on our show because Disney World is low-hanging fruit. And when people think about Florida, they think about Disney. And so if we're going to spotlight what we think is special about our stay, Disney just feels too easy, you know? Mm. And so we tend to lean more into the legends and the lore and the history just for that sake, right? You know, that very point. So I appreciated that he left out Disney as like a main attraction. Yeah, because how he talks about Disney World, it's almost negative. Very corporate. And yeah, no, that's typically like when I think of, yes, when I think of Florida, I'm going to think of Disney World. I'll also think of like Miami and Key West and some other probably more specific things because I lived in Florida. Oranges is a more generic one. But Disney World, I feel like it has this very, it's a very homogenous, generic experience that's been transplanted into Florida because there was like space to do so. It's not like, it's not like Florida. It doesn't capture like the vibe or the essence of it's located here, but it yeah. does, right at 100%. It's just, it doesn't scream Florida, um, which again, it's not a bad thing, but if you're going to write a book about Florida, he was wise to not lean into that because mm-hmm. quite frankly, a lot of natives would have tuned him out pretty quickly. Yeah, I agree. So some of the other things that he mentions, you know, like I said, mermaid shows at, mm-hmm. uh, was it Wiki, Wiki, Wiki Wachi? Yeah, Wiki mm-hmm. Wachi. And then the Spongerama, which I had never heard of before. I never, that was the one I wrote down in my notes. I'm like, what is this? Like, oh, I should go to Spongerama. You yeah, have to thank visit you, Dave Spongerama Barry. now. And then the Villages, which was a very interesting look at this very Stepford Wives yeah, kind of it's all retirement community. But at the same time, it seems to be really fulfilling for a lot of seniors. So it's a very interesting subject. The Village is something that we when we were pushed to cover really early on in our show in year one. And we held mm. off because it just felt a bit voyeuristic and kind of too good to be true. And so we did, we had our research team lean into it pretty aggressively just to verify everything. And the more we learned, the more fascinating that community became. It's mm. really, there's yeah. no place on earth like it. It's really interesting. I actually really enjoyed that chapter because mm-hmm. on the one hand, so for my listeners that don't know what the villages are, it's a huge retirement community Massive. in Central Florida, right? Mm-hmm. And when I say like huge, we're talking like thousands and thousands of homes. A hundred thousand, yeah. Yeah, a hundred thousand homes. People, like this is yeah. 
massive. It's so interesting to me because he talks about the conformity of the housing and he talks about how the family is a privately owned or some portions of it are privately owned by this family that created the community. And it feels very almost like big brother-ish in a way because they're controlling a lot of what's available to the people that live in this community. Yeah. And it's masqueraded under the guise of like amenities. Yeah. But even down to like their restriction of your access to those amenities is very big brother-ish. So if you step out of line, they can be like, oh, hey, well, now you can't get to the pool. And it's just very, it sounds comical on the surface, but in a way that's, it's a very unique way to live. But I will say that the folks that we've interviewed and, and talked to, they all love it. They, they love yeah. living there. So yeah. it must be one of those things where you have to experience it to really understand it. Well, and because I was going to say these kind of more negative aspects, he also talks about the lack of diversity that you see right. in the yep. community, yep. like it's 98% white yep. residents. But that also balances for me, a lot of concerns that we have about senior citizens not getting the care and attention, socialization, like a lot of times senior citizens are very isolated in our society. And here in this community, they're able to have a very fulfilling later life. Right. And that's why so many people are happy there because they're getting, they're like so active, which is actually also great for their health as well. So it's, do you want to live in a very controlled environment, but also you get very high quality of life and this will ultimately extend your life longer, you know, because you're moving and socializing. 100%. And and one of the best ways that I heard it described during that season of our show was someone said it's um, moving into college dorms for the first time. Hmm. And then you just stay there forever. And it's it's very like that college community, but 50 years later, you know, they do everything together every night, literally every night, there's some form of entertainment or interaction. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a huge part of Florida that I mean, I know Dave Barry covers it in the book, but a lot of folks don't really cover the villages. And so it's I was happy to see that chapter was in there. I, I found the juxtaposition to be a little bit strange, because it's of course mixed in with all of these other kind of like touristy sites. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like he's a tourist you know, in just like a large neighborhood, but Basically. it's such an interesting phenomenon. Yeah. So the villages, another like big topic in the book, but there were three in particular that I wanted to really get to today. And that would be the skunk ape, Gatorland, and mm. I added one last minute and that was Key West. Gotcha. Yeah. So he has a whole chapter on the skunk ape and I was so excited to see this chapter because I don't know if I've really mentioned it on the show before, but I am a huge Bigfoot fan. I love Come Bigfoot. on. Yeah. You're a good it. company. Same. I watch all the shows. I watch mm-hmm. the documentaries on Netflix. Yeah. I have, you know, like the I Believe sticker. You know, I've got the books. I have (laughs) books on Bigfoot in Maine and all this stuff. Like, I love it. And so I was so happy to see that there was a skunk ape chapter. So, yeah, skunk ape is like Bigfoot's Florida cousin, like his name. Like you can imagine he lives in a swamp because he lives kind of like in the Everglades-y area. The skunk ape, I think there's a lot of legends. The Seminoles have legends about a wild man creature Mm -hmm. living in the swamps and stuff. And apparently the skunk ape smells very bad, which is something that can kind of distinguish him from other cousins. Yeah, it seems to be a hurtful trait. Uh, that was a sign to skunk ape, but yeah. it, it is very true. A, a lot of it is legend. Yeah, most of it is lore. Uh, some First Nation people wrote stories about skunk ape hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And even to this day, if you live in South Florida near the Everglades, a lot of the folksy people, they will attribute 
certain unknown happenings to skunk ape. Mm. So it's a very real part of the culture in certain areas of Florida. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, because I I mean, I grew up in Washington State, Seattle right. area. So of right. course, there's a lot of Bigfoot hunting sites around the state, but I never yep. was like, no one ever really was like, yeah, Bigfoot's Bigfoot's a thing, you know, like if yeah. your trash can got knocked over, no one's blaming Bigfoot for that. It was probably like right. a bear or something. Um, well, I think there's definitely a cultural, like the PNW versus South Florida. The demo is a little different. But one thing that's similar with the Pacific Northwest is and the Everglades is there's just vast amount of charted but unexplored land, you know. And so it's yeah. easy to create those legends whenever no one's actively going in there researching stuff. So I feel like it's all in jest, but we've met a couple folks who are, are true believers. And uh, yeah, we're there for it, man. You know, Barry mentions that in the book, you know, as he's driving out because he goes to meet Dave Sheen. Who is like a friend of ours? Oh, really? Oh, you know him? Oh, that's so cool. Oh my gosh. Okay, yeah. So, have you been to Skunk Ape Research Headquarters? Yeah, we have, and we've had Dave on our show. And it's funny because I do this often with folks when people are like, you know, who's the like, what celebrity in your phone could you text right now and impress me? And I'm like, well, I don't know who would impress you, but I'll tell you who's the most fun. And his name's Dave Sheely, and he's a blast. I'm going to have to immediately go listen to that episode. (laughs) Sure, (laughs) that was very early on. Yeah. So Barry is driving way out into the Mm -hmm. Everglades into nothing. And that's where this tiny city is perched on the edge of the preservation area, which I thought it was really cool how we included the history of how it became that isolated and that depopulated essentially because people got pushed out. It's very, it's kind of full circle. The Everglades initially were populated because people were fleeing persecution in other areas. And so they were just head south. And there was a point in time in history where people believed that the only folks who lived in the Everglades were people who were runaway. They were running away from enslavement or they were running away from other, you know, harmful situations. And that was a safe place because no one wanted to pursue them into the swamp. And so they just lived there. And then it kind of came full circle where folks were being forced to move out of the Everglades. And so it is depopulated now compared to what it used to be. Yeah. And It's tough. I think Barry does a really good job of writing about this conflict of interests, right? So you have Mm -hmm. the people that got pushed out of, I'm blanking on the name of the the town that Sheely lived in. So Okeechobee is near there. Yeah, there, there are three or four towns that kind of make up what we call like the Everglade border cities. And But the one he's referring to, I believe, was that one. But yeah, it's severely depopulated compared to what it used to be. Yeah, you really feel for these people who right. basically got pushed off of land that mm-hmm. they rightfully owned, but because of, I assume they used probably eminent domain to push them off. But at the same time, Barry really kind of makes fun of how the Everglades is an ecological jewel, essentially. Right. He like, he's very sarcastic about it when he writes about that being a reason that like, he's it's hot and scary in there. Like, I don't want to be in there. But right, right. It absolutely is. It is is. this wonderful, unique ecosystem that is very much in danger from disappearing. And so how do you balance people's needs and their rights to their property with trying to ensure that this very precious area is able to be preserved? Right. And I think there is a certain level of distrust that folks have because of the history of the area. Like you were saying, it's extremely unique and precious. It's the only place on the planet where like crocodiles and alligators coexist. There's dozens and dozens of endangered species uh, that call the Everglades home. So at the surface, as an environmentalist, my first reaction to everything is, yes, we need to save that and preserve that. But when you look at the history of it, there are folks who were living there and the state 
state comes in under the guise of protection and preservation. And then once people were kicked out of their homes, the state then built like a shopping mall. And so there's like, a, I think yeah. there's a, a level of distrust where people just feel like it was kind of selfish from the from an authoritarian perspective. But at the same time, that also fuels the legends. Right. So like now that it is protected and you can't really go back in there, it's easy to go, well, that's because skunk cake lives back there. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so there's that it kind of fuels the the lore a little bit. That's that's why you haven't found Skunk Ape because right. it's he's living in this impenetrable environment exactly. that no yeah. one lives in. Yeah. Right. So is is Dave Sheely like a true believer in Skunk Ape? I don't think so, no. I know. Yeah. I think Dave Sheely's a little too he, he's he's his personality seems to be so sarcastic, at least his writing style is, that I don't think he's a true believer. But I, I do think it's a bit like jazz. Yeah, sometimes you have to watch somebody love something before you really get it. I didn't really enjoy jazz until I watched a live jazz show when I'm in my twenties mm-hmm. and then I was like, Oh man, it's so cool, I love it. And I will say I wouldn't call us true believers of Skunkate, but spending time with folks who are makes it a little more understanding. Yeah. I mean, you kind of see where they're coming from and, and you know, it's just it's one of many neat things about the state honestly yeah i just i haven't actually like interacted one-on-one with true believers mm-hmm. <laughs> of bigfoot or skunk ape or any of the various different versions that you can find mm-hmm. across the u.s because there are a ton but even just from watching you know finding bigfoot is like the big show right, and right. they go to a location and i don't really care if those particular like the hosts of the show care about bigfoot when they do the interviews at these locations you can tell that some of these people are absolutely convinced yeah that they have seen what they say they're seeing and right. i feel like that kind of belief is not because it's so easy to dismiss or ridicule someone for believing in something you don't believe in and i'm just sure. like that kind of belief, I'm like, I'm I, gonna... I think, I, yeah, I think it's kind of refreshing, honestly. And, and it's one thing if someone is seeking out media attention, I'm less likely to trust them. But when folks are just living their life, and then people seek them out and ask them their story, they don't really have any reason to lie about what they believe or what they believe to be true. And most of the time, at least in our experience, it's very much an in, in passing thing. They mention skunk cape as if it's, yeah, of course it's skunk cape. Right. They're not like leaning into it. They're just like, oh yeah, it's skunk cape. You it's know? just and assumed. So, Right. It's a thing. Yeah, that you believe as well. Why wouldn't you? So we're from Central Florida. We're considered city folk when we go down south. But I I mean, we're pretty close to being converted. I don't know that we're true believers, but I believe that they believe. They, but yeah, and that that kind of like strength of belief can be very persuasive. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool, man. I love skunk ape. I love Bigfoot. It's, it's it. such a fun topic. It's so, it's and so it's harm. It's and it's harmless for the most part. It's just yeah. that's why it's so fun. It's like I, there's a level of conspiracy. You know, it, if you're gonna be a friend of mine, I would love for you to believe in the fun conspiracies, but you can't believe in all the conspiracies. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and Skunk Cape is like one of the ones where it's this is fun. It's acceptable. Let's, let's, yeah, let's play with fine. this. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Even if they think aliens are beaming skunk ape down yeah, that's fine to do yeah. research or something that's that's, that's a reprieve from reality you know what i mean yeah yeah <laughs> i recently did a, a whole like presentation on bigfoot it's a whole thing i got pages and pages of notes no way there's there was like one point at the end where i'm talking about you know am i a belief and the answer is no but right it's right. no but there's something to believing in the mystery that still exists right. Right. In our everyday lives, and we don't know everything there is to know about the planet that we're on. And 100%. there's still something left to discover. So I think it's it really keeps that sense of mystery or even like magic you know, in your life, believing that 
that a creature like this exists in your backyard. Well, and there's that because we live in such a a connected age where information is no longer precious. It's just expected. It's a given. You wake up in the morning and you learn all you need to know in five minutes. You consume more information in the first 10 minutes of your day than our ancestors would have their entire lives. And so whenever you speak on subjects like skunk ape or Bigfoot, there's awe and wonder surrounding the mystery of it because nothing mm-hmm. in life is a mystery anymore. And so yeah. that's for me why it's so precious because you can poke fun at it, you can take it too serious, but I think there's a healthy median where you go, "Hey, sometimes we just need a little mystery in life," you know? Yeah, no, that's exactly that's exactly why I love Bigfoot and and like all other kinds of like cryptozoology, you know, your Loch Ness yeah, monster, yeah. your Mothman. I love it. But yeah, yeah it's, it has to do with that mystery that you feel like is lacking for the most part in your day-to-day life. So that was probably my favorite chapter. But I also wanted to get to the Gatorland chapter because I need an update. Last time when we had Cameron on the show, you guys had your Gatorland episode like scheduled. Right. And so I need an update on how it went. How's that experience? (laughs) Intimidating. It was Gatorland. They're one of our partners and, and we've built that relationship now. But at the time, we didn't know them. We didn't know what we were getting Mm. into. And they invited us out to shoot on location. And for those listening who don't know about Gatorland, I mean, this is a massive reservation for alligators and crocodiles. Just the small portion that we filmed in front of had 200 alligators. And it was a very small, just for our show. And so they don't capture these animals. These animals are taken care of there. Most of them are uh, rehabilitated there. And Mm -hmm. they're actually funded by the state of Florida now to help as an endangered species uh, preservation. So with that being said, we were 20 feet away from 200 alligators the entire time we filmed that episode and they had us turn our backs to them they were like hey yeah so we're gonna set our cameras up over here and i'm like wait what shouldn't we be like facing them just in case they get (laughs) just in case they decide to make a move for it (laughs) right like i don't i don't turn my back on most people much less like a bunch of alligators (laughs) what made it so additionally intimidating was it was mating season and so the mating call that the males do Mm. is so crazy and they just were doing it the whole time so in the background of that episode, you'd randomly hear this like roaring noise. And, and then they would say things like, well, in this season, they're the most vicious that they're ever going to be. And bro, stop. You know what I mean? Like we're trying to work and like you keep saying these like horrific things. And so there's a- I'd we, be we like, got, I'd be sweating through my shirt at that point. Oh man, we were. And it was <laughs> the like- The adrenaline would be running. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. And they knew what they were doing. I mean, they, but it was a fun episode and we, we held some just massive snakes and we held some alligators. And, and then we took our team. So we have a, a massive team behind our show. And we were privileged to take them into the pit and they were feeding the gators. And it was just like surreal watching, you know, like our editor and our publisher and like our, our camera guys getting face to face with these monster dinosaurs. So it was a lot of fun. Wow. So you mentioned before that they get money from the state. Are alligators an endangered? Are they classified as endangered? Kind of, sort of. So basically what happens is in certain areas, alligators are borderline invasive. And then in mm-hmm. other areas, they need to be protected. And so what's happened is they are hunted in certain parts of the state, but it, it's in order to keep them from overpopulating. And so a lot of times, you know, and we're not experts on this, we're not proponents one way or the other, but a lot of times people hear, oh, they hunt alligators, it seems cruel. But what happens in these smaller cities is if the population isn't controlled, then they end up on your playgrounds and your pools. Mm. If you recall a few years back, there was a, an attack at Disney World that was unprecedented. Oh, yeah. And I that's what happens. That. 
whenever the population yeah. is controlled. And so you purchase tags and then you're allowed to have that many alligators. Oh, and so I, I have watched, that. I have watched, oh my gosh, what's that show about the alligator hunters in Louisiana? I forget what it's called, but it's, I know what you mean. That's- the cool thing about it is the amount of biological research that goes on in Gatorland. It's mm-hmm. not just a theme park. I mean, they practice what they preach and they care about it. And yeah, we learned a lot. And I, I'll tell you what I took away from that. We held an alligator that was three years old. And so it looks like a baby. It's tiny. It's, it's two and a half feet. But as I'm holding it and, you know, we're doing pictures and video and stuff, the entire time, all I'm thinking is this thing is 100% muscle. Like it's allowing mm. me to hold it. I'm not holding it. Does that right, make sense? Right, right. It could like change it, its mind at any time. At any time. It could mm. be game over. And this was a baby. It was a tiny little thing. And so feeling that amount of muscle mass and then looking across the way and seeing it's one like that's- like 10 foot. Exactly. Gator. And, and yeah. 400 pounds. And it's like, bro, like what? And, and they go from zero to 60 so quick. And one thing that they said, I said, aren't you supposed to run zigzag from alligators? And the trainer goes, no, that's made up actually. That's not real. Mm-hmm. There is no preferred method on land. They, if they're going to chase you, it's just, it is what it is. And I was like, that's mm-hmm. so disheartening. Like, that's terrifying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I've been living uh- with this hope of zigzag will save me. <laughs> And I find maybe, out maybe, that maybe you can find a tree, a climb a tree. I, I think that's the best bet is climb on top of a car and just hope that yeah. you can't jump, you know? That's so it's funny because Barry kind of also pokes fun a bit at Gatorland because the alligators right. aren't moving. Like right. nothing's moving when he's there. And so it's kind of a, a quote unquote boring attraction compared to, I don't know, maybe a regular zoo if the animals are moving right. around more. Sure. But that's interesting. He doesn't really mention too much like the, the more research side of it. Which is really nice to hear as opposed to something like SeaWorld, which is much more exploitative overall of the animals. 100%. And and they used to, at Gatorland, like in the 70s and 80s, they probably would have been more up Dave's alley because they would do like alligator wrestling and these really, you know, kind of in-your-face forms of entertainment. Mm, Yeah. But that became less and less attractive. And as the park shifted more towards natural preservation, they kind of did away with those shows. So if Dave had gone 30 years earlier, he probably would have been happier. But Would have had a more, more exciting time. Right, yeah. Well, it's interesting because he mentioned this is something I should just say, you know, overall for each attraction that he visits, he gives it a rating of Moldomatics, which mm-hmm. I'm thinking probably most of my listeners have no idea what that is. But if you were a kid, like back in the 60s or the 70s, these machines create like this tiny little plastic souvenir for you. And the one that he gets at Gator World, which actually happens to be working because most of the time they're broken, is like the Gator wrestling. So at the right. time that machine was made, that I'm sure that was like something they were doing a lot of and then like you know by the time he gets there they're doing the very classic i've seen it before where they like put their chin on top of the the gator's like mouth right you know and that's pretty much about as it's very yeah it's flirtatious with danger and that's i think that's where the attraction comes from as a child i was eight the first time i went to gatorland and i told my therapist i'm pretty sure that's my first moment with anxiety like i think like that (laughs) i think that was it for me because i remember like they i learned they could jump out of the water and as as an eight-year-old i was like man i don't think i needed to know that you know what i mean i could have got my whole life without that piece of knowledge and been just fine so the return to gatorland for work was it was stressful for me it was uh, you're facing your fears you're facing like your trauma yes you know right that's that's interesting you mentioned like the overpopulation in certain areas 
mm-hmm. because I didn't see an alligator the entire time I lived in Florida until yeah. probably like the last three months that I was there. We were in like North Florida and I, I had lived in Alabama for nine years previous to that. And I'd never sure. seen one there either, although they are there. They're in Alabama as well. I'd never seen one. I moved to Florida. I thought there were going to be alligators everywhere. There were not right. alligators everywhere. And then right before we moved, we went down to, oh, I'm totally blanking. It's uh, one of the state parks that is like on the beach kind of around the panhandle i don't know if okay. you know which one i'm talking mm, about i don't think there's a lighthouse there up I, near pensacola I yeah, yeah i, I, I know of the lighthouse but not the state park i don't think yeah i'll have to i'll put that in the show notes for people i'll find it i'll track it down and put it yeah. in yeah but yeah. um beautiful area some great like little hiking trails you can see the beach you can see this lighthouse then you can kind of walk around and as we were driving back we saw it was probably i want to say like an eight foot gator was crossing wow. the road he was just walking across the road and never before have i really felt like i was in jurassic park you know what right, i'm saying right. you look at you see them move and you just know you're staring at a creature that's been around for a really very long primal time. yes 100 yeah. percent um yeah and behind our college when we were at university there was a lake and we we would see on a daily basis like these very tiny two three foot alligators but there's a, a place called circle b ranch that's near our studios five minutes from our studio actually and one of the largest gators that's been seen in modern history was seen there a couple of years ago and it went viral it was like all over the internet and it was weird because i saw it it was before tiktok but i saw it i think on twitter or snapchat and i was showing my wife and, and she was like is that circle b I'm like, I think it is Circle B. And, and like this place from like, like India. That's right down was, the road. Yeah, I'm like, that's so weird. And we go hiking there. And this oh like dinosaur gosh. came out of the water. and was like showing yeah. off for people. And it was just like, what in the world? Like you were saying, it, it feels prehistoric. It yeah. feels there's something very ancient um, and beautiful about it. Which definitely, I mean, obviously they are. Like alligators and crocodiles have been around for millions and millions of yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a very similar form to what we right. find today. So it's, yeah, it's just a very strange sensation when you actually see them in person walking around. I mean, this is, I mean, and you may have heard this, but in Chicago, there was a lake that had this massive gator and they had spent all this money and hired all these trackers um, to catch it and they couldn't do it. And they called this random tracking place in Florida. And this guy was like, yeah, I guess. So he, he flew up there and called it in an hour and came back. He's back the same day. It wasn't that's even like amazing. that big of a deal. And it's that's kind of been the running joke for a long time in Florida. It was just like, you know, it's gators are yep. so second nature to us. I mean, I'm not speaking from experience. Like I'm terrified of getting, <laughs> you know, but I'm just saying as us as a whole in Florida, um, they're second nature. It's crucial to the Florida experience. Right, exactly. Yeah. I think that brings us to the final topic that I really wanted to highlight from the book, which is Key West. For any listeners that aren't aware, Key West is, it's the southernmost point in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And it's a series of small islands, essentially, but they're keys that are all connected by this extraordinary bridge road that gets all the way out there. And I just remember being shocked because there was one time I was driving from Tuscaloosa, which is in Alabama, to Miami, Mm -hmm. which is a very long drive. Right. It's very long. And I was like, well, you know, it'd be cool if we could go to the Keys while we're in Miami. So I'm like, well, how much longer is it? And right. I, I did more Googling and it was still like however many hours away still. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it's, Miami it's like, is like in Southern Florida. 100%. And I was just like, it's still so far away. But obviously it's a huge tourist attraction. And Barry kind of talks about how it's like even more New Orleans than New Orleans, essentially. So I wanted to talk to you. Have you been there? What can you tell us about it? Uh, Was Barry's experience, you know? Accurate? 
Yeah, accurate. That was yeah, the word I, I was looking for. I think so. We vacation in the Keys and it's it, not in the summer. We actually will winter in the Keys. That's where Floridians go south to the Keys. But it is. A lot of presidents have lived there. Thomas yeah. Edison loved Key West. And so when Faulkner's house. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Henry Ford, a lot of the people who were instrumental in kind of the industrial age of America mm-hmm. found solace in Key West. And so, you know, we have vacationed there many of times. And my favorite part about it is that it, he's right in saying that it's more New Orleans than New Orleans. One thing that I think you realize the more you go is how small town Key West actually is. It's very, they're very open minded. They're a very welcoming, loving people, but it's, it is very small town. Like the diners feel small town and the restaurants feel small town. And like a block away, uh, a random president is vacationing. You know what I mean? Like President Obama and and Michelle are like on the beach 20 feet away and you're at this like small town diner. To me, it it feels like how everybody imagines all of Florida actually is, if that Mm, makes sense. It feels Florida to the Floridians, which I think is really cool. Yeah. So all of those kind of like stereotypes of like beachy palm trees, seafood 24-7. Yes, I'm 100%. Like, yeah. Well, and that's what, I mean, to put it in perspective, like you were saying the distance, we were in Miami over the weekend and someone had said, you know, hey, we're going to pack up a little early and go to the Keys. Do you guys want to come? I'm like, no, it's four more hours. Like, yeah. we're, we're not going <laughs> to do like that. Hours a waste. There yeah. is something, obviously, Barry has a very kind of boozy experience. Of sure. Key yeah, West, yeah, yeah. You know, doing like this long bar crawl. What I know most about Key West or what interests me the most about Key mm-hmm. West, because I'm not a person who likes, Sun sure. or sand. So, yeah, Florida and me were an interesting mix. But key deer, for yep. listeners that are not aware, there are deer that live in the Keys. And because they live on these very small islands, they have evolved over time to be very small. So they're like these little baby deer running around all over. Have you seen them? Are they as cute as they sound? I have not seen them in person. I know of them, but I've never seen one in person. And I think it's basically because the areas that we tend to vacation in the Keys, in Key West specifically, it is really populated. And so- Are there any, so there are parts of the Keys that are less populated then? Yes, absolutely. As you're driving into Key West, you'll come across like large portions of just like uninhabited, that term dive bar, Where it's like there's like one bar on the beach and everybody goes there after work. Like it's very, I don't know, almost like fantasy in a way. Like it it Mm. only exists in these small, very southern Florida towns. But those are very real. They're very real part of the experience. But Key West is very busy. A lot of people. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes me a little sad because I was hoping that you'd seen the Key Deer. That's like my main motivation for wanting to go. I, I will say this. It's a very, like if you're in Florida, I wouldn't suggest vacationing to Florida just for Key West. Yeah. Unless you like just love, you love the beach or whatever. But if you're already in Florida, it's a great two or three days. It's a really nice historic town. That's good to know. My partner has been to Key West before and he keeps trying to get us back down there. You should. But I definitely want to go, but it probably will be, you know, um, there's a potential we might be moving back to Florida at some point. So probably if we move back to Florida, that would be a much more doable trip. And, and it's one of those things too, where if you're in Florida, it's a way to kind of escape and not leave Florida. Yeah. But again, if you're coming from anywhere north, I mean, it's a drive. I mean, it's really yeah. far down. 
And yeah. uh, you know, you, once you get there, you go another 90 miles, I think it is, and you're in Cuba. Just to give it it's some so perspective, close. it's really far down south. Yeah. Anyone listening, all you have to do is go on Google Maps and like put in Key West and you'll be able to see how far away it is like from the yeah. rest of Florida. It's so far. There was one part where Barry meets the mayoral candidate who mm-hmm. wants to focus on the arts and like the cultural side of Key West. Right. And I was wondering, because obviously this book was published a few years ago. I right. actually, I'm a really bad book podcaster. I didn't even check what the publication <laughs> date was before we got on, but it's not, you know, something that was published last year. So right. I'm kind of curious what your perspective is on that like cultural side of Key West, um, where it's more about the arts and less about, you know, the dive bars. Or right. is there a mix, you know, between those? And from my experience, from the outside looking in, I mean, I vacation there. I don't live there. I think yeah. it's a healthy mix of the two. I will say culturally, there is a heavy focus on the arts. And I think mm. it's because a, a lot of really creative people call that place like their home away from home. Like Elvis yeah. was there a lot. I know I mentioned Edison earlier, but who's the guy that sings Margaritaville? I mean, like... Um, Buffett. Jimmy, Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy, Jimmy right. Buffett. <laughs> right. Yeah. So a lot of like famous poets and stuff, their muse was Key West. And so I think there is that kind of historical artistic, you know, perspective. And even now when you go, there's a really cool area out near the pier where a lot of folks in the homeless community are painters and creators, mm. and they're able to showcase and sell their work in this little mini art show. And it's organized by them and not the city. It's just this kind of niche little artistic community. Yeah. And that's so cool to see that even like on all spectrums of residency, there's an appreciation for art. So I do think that the locals seem to be really passionate about it, whereas the visitors are like, yeah, cool, give me some art, but also give me the diners and the dive bars and the party side of Key West. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's a healthy mix of the two. I'm very curious if that guy won the race for mayor. I don't know. I have to I'd have to Google it and I, see. Yeah, I kind of want to Google it. Maybe I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. If this guy actually won. But yeah, I thought that was interesting because once again, I mean Barry's talking about you know, Key West being more New Orleans than New Orleans. And and then right. this guy is like focusing on a very different side of that. I think that wraps up most of the highlights I wanted to talk about from the book. And I just have some quick discussion questions that I sure. wanted to ask you in particular, which you've kind of already answered some of them already. But one of them was, when are you considered a Floridian? Because Dave Barry, I mean, I mentioned he was born in New York, right? So right. he wasn't born in Florida, right. but he's lived in Florida for Three decades is what he says. So does this give him the authority to talk as a Florida man? Oh, I think so. Yeah, because I mean, yeah. I'm 30. I'm 36. So you I mean, he's coming up close to how long, you know, he's rivaling how long I've lived here. And, and I think for us, it's one of those things where it's it depends on how your lens of Florida is. So if mm. you just move here and you're highly critical, then no, you're not a Floridian. If you've just moved here and you lean into the state and you love it, then welcome home. We love you. We're glad you're here. But I, I do think in perspective, I mentioned Edison earlier. He didn't move here until the last 30 years of his life. And he's very much a Florida man. Uh, he did a yeah. lot for our state. The guy that invented the Orange Blossom train that was the first rail system to go from NYC all the way to Miami, he never lived here, but he changed transportation in our state. And so we covered yeah. him on our show. He's a wonderful Floridian. And so I, I think for us, it's more about the culture you set, what you bring to the state and your outlook of the state. You could be born and raised here. And if you hate the state, it's, yeah. We're not going to claim you. You know what I mean? So, But I do think Dave Barry is well qualified to speak on it. And probably reading this book cemented that. Oh, for sure it did. Because I mean, and like we were saying earlier, he did his due diligence. He wasn't just writing about tropes. He didn't Google things. I mean, this guy traveled the state and he found stuff that, like I said, I, I do this for a living. 
he found the sponge attraction that I had never heard of. And I would say most of his outtakes were relatively accurate, even Mm. from having some of his takes on issues you only get from living here and being Mm. versed in the culture. You don't get that from a short trip researching a novel. So I do think that he definitely did his due diligence and he spoke from a place of, I think the majority of the place he spoke from was heartfelt. The reason why I asked that question is because Mm. I live in in Maine now, like I said, and it is very difficult to be considered a a Mainer here. It's very interesting to me how proprietary they are about like handing out that word. You know, I was talking to a coworker of mine and she said that, you know, she's been living here for 20 years and she's not considered a Mainer. Because she was born here. But sometimes even like people that were born here, but their parents aren't from here. They're not considered Mainers either because their parents aren't from here. Wow. So it's like very, I don't know, like tight knit in that way. People are very proud of where they come from. And (laughs) they're very territorial about who gets to claim that title and that authenticity. That mantle of, of, yeah, ownership. Yeah. Yeah. I think with Florida, though, it's, you know, we are the retirement capital of the world, too. So there's a lot of transplants who, mm, you know, who come here and we have the snowbirds who come down for the winter. Them come from Maine. <laughs> true. Very true. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and so I think there's that. But, you know, in Florida, we live in central Florida. We are right in the middle of the state. So we're 30 minutes from Disney World. We're 30 minutes from the East Coast. And I, I really feel like if you drive 40 miles in any direction, the culture will completely shift. And Floridians don't look like Floridians, right? Because everybody here, it's a true melting pot. Yeah. And so because yeah. of that, I think it's easier to adopt this as your home because most folks haven't been here very long. I mean, you find someone who's born and raised here, it's almost a rarity. And so because of that, I think it's more about your belief and how you feel about the state that makes you a Floridian, not really your time of residency. That's just my opinion. I'm not paid yeah. to say that by the state of, you know, <laughs> or anything like that. This is not sponsored by the No, this is, just, this is straight Wayne McCarty talking here. So what was your overall impression of the book then? I thought it was genuine. I, I thought yeah. it was genuine. And as uh, again, as someone who does this for a living, I mean, he's writing about the topic that we speak about on a weekly basis. And so I thought that it was really well thought out. I, the only negative side of that I had, the only negative idea that I had was I felt like because of his sense of humor, because of who he is, he kind of had to lean into a little bit of the insulting side of it. And, and that's to mm. be expected. You know, yeah. no one's no one's immune. And we do that on our own show. We make fun of ourselves. And so, but I think most importantly, it wasn't mean-spirited. I think it was, you know, I, I've never read the rest of his work, so I don't want to call it his opus day, but it did kind of feel swan songy to me. You know what I mean? Like he's an older guy and he lives here yeah. and he wrote a book about his home state. So I, I, I enjoyed it I for what it was. I also enjoyed it for what it was too, mm-hmm. I think. I mentioned before, this is yeah, not my typical genre by any Same. stretch of the imagination, Same. but I was surprised. I was, I, it was not what I was expecting you know, it was not what I was expecting. All these very small kind of sites that he was highlighting, some of them right. bigger than others. But, you know, even though I just lived in Florida for a couple of years, like that was very much the impression I got from reading. This is like real Florida, you know, oh, yeah. this is authentic Florida yeah. versus your big kind of highlights like Disney World, for example. Right. Or, you know, oh my gosh. The spring break destination. The name is escaping me. Like in um, South Florida? It's in like the panhandle. Everyone would go when I was at Alabama, like everyone would go. Oh, wow. For spring break to, it wasn't Destin, Panama, Panama City. Panama City, gotcha. Yeah, there we go. 
I'm having to pull up information from 10 years ago now. But yeah, so it's it's not like these like bigger kind of things. He really focused in on these smaller, more authentic sites, which was not what I was right. anticipating. And like I said before, like the humor grew on me later on in the book. And it kind of got to the point where it was just like, this is your white dad. Crazy you uncle. Know, crazy uncle humor. Yep. Yeah, it's coming from a very specific place. And I was like, okay, I mean, if I can accept that's where it's coming from, then it's then I can get into it more and enjoy it more. 100 percent. And I agree. I agree with what you said earlier, too. You know, like his he's writing from a very I don't want to call it unique because it's not. But he's writing from an, an older white guy perspective. Yeah. And so once you kind of dial into that, the tone makes a little more sense. And, and you know, I, I wouldn't have read it had we not collaborated here. But I wasn't angry that I did. And, and I did laugh at parts. And um, I did too. Yeah. yeah. It did so, make me laugh. So I think my biggest fear going into it was that it would that I would find it insulting. But I, I think that he was very genuine in his research and in the process. And that was really fresh to see. Yeah, I agree. Because it definitely, yeah, it was not what I was expecting. Yeah. It to be question sure. that I have today. What do you think the best state ever is and why? Wow. Yeah. You're going to get me fired. It definitely is. And I, w- <laughs> and I wouldn't say this if it wasn't my job. I mean, I would still say this if it wasn't my job. It, it, I think it is for a lot of reasons. And I think it's like we were talking about earlier is it's a melting pot. And mm. so it's a good place yeah. to raise a family. It's a good place to go off the grid if you're into that. It's a good place to be a city person if you're into that. It literally has everything you need. And Dave Barry touched on this in the book. Compared to California and NYC, it's a cheap place to live. The taxes yeah. are low. And I have friends that live in LA and friends that live in NYC and, and they would attest to this you know they come to florida and what they're paying for their apartment they buy a mcmansion like it's insane how yeah. cheap it is to live here in florida and so yeah no it's a great place to be i'm not a beach person i don't really enjoy the stereotypical florida things <laughs> yeah and i still have a blast i still feel like there's a ton of culture represented here from all walks mm. of life a very rich history and I can only speak and testify as to what I've known and experienced. So for me, it's Florida. And that's not to discredit any other state. But we're definitely better than California, i tell you that much. <laughs> definitely better than California. I feel like most people think where they're at is better than California, though, honestly. I hope except so. for the people that live in California. Yeah, um, most, of my, most of my L.A. friends talk about leaving L.A. So I'm just like, yeah, they like, like bro, don't like it. There. Bro, don't get mad at me for making fun of your state if you're always wanting to leave. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I actually, I, I asked this question because like, I wanted to you to be able to give your spiel on why you thought Florida was the best because I well, think that's you. probably why or probably what your answer was going to be. But I was thinking about it for myself and I have no idea, you know, because yeah. I've lived in, I haven't lived in so many states, but I've lived in this work for extended periods of time. We're talking four states now and it's, I like whatever state I'm in. Sure. You know? Right. Um, but that's I healthy. think there's also yeah. that aspect of you have a nostalgic attachment to where you grew up as well, right. which is always going to like color your perspective. You know, because right. if you were to just ask me that question, probably like my gut reaction would be like, well, probably Washington, Sure, you know, and I have a lot of reasons for, for liking it. It's a beautiful place to grow up in, you know, having water and mountains right. just right there. Right. So I grew up in this beautiful natural environment that I really enjoyed. And there's a lot of other things to like about Washington, but I have really enjoyed living in Maine. I love it here. That's so cool. I really do. We have moose here, which is just like a huge win. Bigfoot is also here. Strong Bigfoot presence. (laughs) But you know what though? The the way people feel about alligators in Florida is the way I feel about moose. Because Mm. 
they're just big creatures. Big animals, yeah. And if they choose at one point in time, they could just, I mean, who knows? I know history and science doesn't back this up, but if they ever choose to rise up, you guys are done for. <laughs> to rise up and take over. <laughs> I mean, they're massive. Art. I think there's something special, though, to lean into where you come from. Be happy where you're at. I mean, that's the best way to live life. And who wants to live reminiscing uh, where they were you know there's something yeah. good everywhere and, and i just happen to be from florida but but yeah i i think that's cool that you're they, you love where you're at you know if anyone's ever interested i mean i think i like maine was like a state i just did not really pay much attention to growing sure. up but now that i'm here i'm like can we stay here i like yeah. here, you know but yeah i think that's actually a great place to wrap up for today loving where you're at you know? loving where you're at that's yeah some, some positive advice for my listeners today. But I did want to give you a chance to go ahead and plug all of the Florida men on Florida man stuff. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah. 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 We're easy to find. If you Google Florida Men on Florida Man, we will come up. You can stream our stuff on every major platform. And we're on social media at FMOFM Podcast and just legends, lore, family friendly entertainment. It's a lot of fun and I'm honored to do it. And I'm honored to be here. It's been a ton of fun. Thank you for having me. Like, for real, it's been so good. Thank you so much for coming on. This was a great discussion. I really enjoyed it. So, and thank you for listening. Uh, if you're interested in keeping up with the podcast, you can find us on Instagram at big underscore book underscore energy. I have set up a buy me a coffee. So that link is on our Instagram page. If you want to fund my tea or coffee drinking habits to keep me energized, to keep putting out these episodes, you can visit that. And you can also visit our bookshop store where you will be able to find a copy of Best State Ever if you are interested in purchasing a copy and supporting us at the same time. All these things will be linked in the show notes. And thank you so much for listening. I will see you back here next time. Bye.